everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Calchos Pantheon. As always, I'm Danielle, and as always, I'm joined by my podcast partner and fellow journalist, Elliot. How are you doing this afternoon? Pretty good. How's it going? Oh, things are going well. I just got done eating a nice lunch, so I was... I'm cooking lunch as we speak. (laughs) So, first and foremost, the fans want to know, what are you eating? Oh, uh, just pasta. I, I just need to eat something while I'm doing this because I haven't eaten today. But anyways. Yeah, I need an advice. So I ordered myself a pork bowl, so. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, as everybody knows, we had another crazy week of football this weekend. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I mean, some storylines are insane. So we're just going to jump right into it. Um, on Friday, Benevento took on Torino. Unfortunately, I'm not seeing the score on my laptop, so I don't know. 2-2. So, what were your thoughts and reactions? Um, you know, it was uh, frustrating because Benevento, uh, has started the season so strong, and I I still think they're going to be fine, but the last couple weeks... Uh, whether it's their fault or not, has not really been, um, you know, um, nice to them. Uh, they do go in the, they go up in this game uh, 2-0, um, and things look kind of uh, smooth sailing. And then Torino get themselves back in the game. Uh, Simone Zaza scores twice. Actually, technically scores three times. He had a goal taken away because of VAR, and so did Benevento. Both the right decision, um, and then late, uh, late on in the game, uh, uh, Zaza completes uh, his his moment, scores another one at the end. Um, Torino get big, I wouldn't say big points, but they got a point. Uh, and obviously, they're in a, they're in a relegation fight right now. And Benevento probably not overly happy with the performance, um, but it was ju- it was just one of those where uh, you know. They, they still got something from it, so they can feel like it wasn't, it wasn't a total disaster if they had gone. But, again, they were up by two, so they probably should have figured out a way to beat a Torino team that's not that good this season. But um, So I think this is a big win for Torino, or big moment for Torino, because uh, first uh, first game with their new coach, um, and, and they get a point. So that's uh, good to see. Yeah. I agree. Like, Benevents have started off, like, red hot, but lately it just seems like they haven't been able to... It's like they had a slump, if that makes sense, and yeah, we know they're going to probably be fine and they're going to survive, but... Yeah, no, they, it, won't even, they won't even be in a relegation battle. That's yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's like... I just hope they can figure out what's going on and fix it, because we don't want to see this team have like some seasons with some of these teams where they get promoted, stay in until the next season, then something ends up happening and then they're back right into Serie B. Um, great job. The, the thing is, the, uh, Calgary is at 14, or the relegation uh, is at 14, they're at 22. There's no, there's not, a, there's not even a scenario where they get dragged into a relegation battle or even in danger of it. It's just, uh, they'll finish somewhere between 10 and, and 13. Um, they're four points from 10th because uh, St. Dory are playing a world war right now. But, I mean, Benevento is going to be fine. I, I, I'm not worried at all about them. 
Right. And then with Torino, with their, especially with having a new manager, they get a point, which is I got huge for them right now, especially since they're going through that transition phase. But yeah. Ho- no, go. Sorry, sorry. Keep it open. Go ahead. <laughs> Isn't that the story with us in this podcast? <laughs> but anyway, Torino. Um, great job getting a point, and hopefully they this the new manager is able to like figure out a winning formula and hope hopefully prevent them from getting relegated this season. And now, what were you gonna say? I was going to say, uh, Torino is still on 14 points, which, but they're not in the relegation anymore. They're only in front uh, because of goal difference. But um, and then remember, they lost um, Metti to, um, to AC Milan, um, and they haven't added anybody really yet. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a situation where uh, this is a little surprising considering what they lost. But it just – it seems like – Teams perform really well the first couple games with a new manager. Um, so I'm not overly surprised by this. Um, I'm, I'm surprised they came back from two goals down, but, but they, we can see them sort of um, holding on for a little bit. But again, this, I just feel like they're still going to be in, in this type of battle most of the season. Yeah, I agree. Um, up next, Roma win four three against Spezia. Yeah, that was uh game gave me a fucking heart attack. <laughs> um, I I think the game is the game. Um, but I think the big story about this is the whole end Jekyll situation. Um, <clears throat> you can ask me about that after I, I re- react. Um, but um. <clears throat> No, we needed this. We had just we just lost to them um, in the cup a couple of days earlier. Um, we wanted to keep our twenty three and zero record <laughs> intact and in, in against newly promoted sides. We get the result in the end, um, <clears throat> back and forth to a certain extent. Um, but again, you want to get those points, especially because they weren't playing right, that well, and uh, there were drop points in front of them. Um, so it was important to try to at least close the gap. We're not winning the league, but I'd like to finish within striking distance of the top two teams in this league. So I think it was important. Um, good performance. Pellegrini is given the armband now um, and justified it with his performance. A goal and assist. Really good job on the first goal getting sort of space, keeping themselves on side and uh, getting that ball to Moriel for the first goal. And then obviously comes up with a big goal in the end to to win it after we had conceded in the 90th minute. Um, defensively, defensively, it was terrible. I don't know what was going on. Um, <clears throat> I see everyone blaming the goalkeeper. And it, it's not like we had an amazing performance. But I, I think it's viable to, to blame him for all three goals because the defense, the defense didn't show up. Um, Chris Paul did a really bad job on the on the third goal. Um, I visibly frustrated with himself after it, bad defensively. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, but uh, Moriel comes up big in this game, uh, second game in which he um, has scored uh, uh, his, his, uh, in Syria, his second start in a row where he scored a brace. Um, and I'll throw I'll throw this crazy number at you. 
So, so Jacko has played a thousand plus minutes um, and has, has uh, I believe six goals this season. Do you, do you, do you want to know what Moriel has done in 922 minutes this season? Yes. Eight goals, five assists. That makes him the second. He's first in tied for first and a second in assists with playing significantly less minutes than the starter. So I think that him, I'm, I, to be honest, we can talk about the Jekyll thing. He's got to be the starter from out, from here out. Because um, if he plays more games, maybe he, he struggles against the big teams. But he's given Roma a fighting chance just because we've seen him perform when he has played. Uh, again, he's going to miss chances just like every striker in world football. Um, so, but considering the the small amount of time he has played, um, a b- big performance from him. Pellegrini was a man of the match. Not just a man of the match, but one of the best three players that we saw play this weekend. Um, absolutely uh, phenomenal. Um, and then obviously uh, – Defensive is bad. We, it shouldn't have taken this long. We did have a two-goal lead, and, and we let them get back into it. Um, and uh, Carlos Perez is the worst player in the league, it turns out. Um, but, again, Rome were short. No Jekyll, no Mkhitaryan, no Pedro. Um, and Mancini didn't play either. So they were uh, they were a little shorthanded. And still, even though it took him to the 92nd minute to win this, um, Roma still get the, the results. Um, in the end, and in a dramatic fashion. And again, I can't say enough about Pellegrini's, not just because of his, his performance, but the captain contribution in terms of leading this team and uh, reacting the way he did when he got when he scored um, the late goal. I think they. I don't think he should have been booked for taking his shirt off in that moment. Um, but because Lawton Ibrahimovic does it every time he scores a a winner and no one ever books him, so I think I thought it was a little weird and, and unfortunate. But other than that, you know. I'm happy with the results, happy with the performance, but I think we, uh, to a certain extent, we made that a little bit, I guess, more difficult than it, it, it probably should have been. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely was a huge win, especially since you wanted to keep that record of beating recently promoted sides intact. Um, mm-hmm. it, I mean... Of course, you guys struggled defensively in this game. It shouldn't have taken that long to get the victory. But yeah, as you said, there was this. The main storyline is that there's this story um, surfacing with Eden Jacko and um, Fonseca. Um, wh- would you like to like talk about that a little bit? Sure. Actually, yeah, I'm going to talk about it. But I, but I'm a Roma fan, so I'm going to give you a very Roma reaction. Um, after I answer this, I want you to, to, to give your opinion on this too, because I'm just curious what the, you know, what the outside perspective sees on this, because I'm in my Roma box looking at this from a Roma way. So I'm just, I'm also curious on that. Um, if that's cool. Of course. Um, so uh, again, I, uh, I caught, um, whiff of this late, uh, just cause Marcus was, was talking about how he's done with Jacko and stuff like that. He loses all respect from him. And I didn't actually know what he was talking about. Um, all I know is uh, there was there was some situation with him and, and Fonseca in the Copa Italia game. He did not he did not like um, the fact that he was brought off um, or brought on until extra time. Um, he didn't, he, he, they get into a situation. He basically yells at the coach in front of the entire team after the game. Um, and basically 
again, unmotivated um, right now, not really playing for the shirt at this moment. Um, and, and it's, it's over. Like at, at right now, he's not even training with the team. He's training individually. Um, he's been offered to West Ham. Um, we'll see if that works. Maybe Jekyll probably want to go for something bigger, but, but it's, it's likely, um, that, um, he won't be on the team next summer. Um, and he might even be able to, to leave, uh, January. I don't see a situation where he plays. I won't say play for Roma again, but I don't think he starts anymore. Moriel is playing probably better than him this season. Um, but it's just a toxic situation. So even if Roma can't find a replacement, and they're working on that right now in in, in the works, um, you got to look at that. And this whole thing started because uh, uh, Fonseca fired the team manager, um, largely because of the the substitution situation that happened in the uh, in the Copa Italia game. Um, Romo lost that game anyway, so it didn't matter. But but so that I, I believe that's what started the whole thing. And then they went back and forth. They They've had their issues. Um, they're not. They're training separately. Um, and um, in this situation, Fonseca is going to get the advantage. He has Roma in third place. And all due respect to Jack, it's not because of him. So that you can't justify that part of it. So I'm guessing he he gets sorted out and leaves. Um, it, it's a little bit of a bitter taste because I don't. I, you, you know how much I love Jekko. He's been one of my favorite players for Roma. Um, there's an argument that he's the greatest striker Roma have ever had. Um, and Toti's, I don't consider Toti a striker. You know, so I'm not, I'm not saying he's better than him. Bastuta was great, but he was only there for a couple of years. But um, from numbers, from longevity, from all these different angles, he's probably their best striker um, ever. But um, so the way that it's going to end is unfortunate. Um, and it's not in a, uh, you know, positive light as, as it seems like. Um, but I think Roma have to rectify the situation, find a buyer, get him out. Um, just, just because you just can't have this sort of toxicity in this situation, especially when you're trying to get the champions league, you're trying to unrealistically or not, you're still trying to chase down the top of the table. You're, you got to win the big games and that's Fonseca's biggest issue right now. He was bad in the Derby. He was he was toxic in the whole Spezia situation from to, from last Tuesday and all of this. And uh, it's just time to cut their ties and move on. As great as he has been, it, I just think it doesn't make too much sense for them to sort of sit here and have him on the team uh, disgruntledly because uh, we, we're seeing what's happening with the Papa Gomez situation. He's not even playing games uh, for them right now. So because he's trying to move out, he's about to secure a move to Sevilla. Um but um, and uh, so the, what's being discussed is West Ham, uh, Juventus are in it, Inter are in it. They're talking about maybe swapping um, Erickson and uh, Jacko. PSG are interested. Maybe our, there was a talk about a Cardi swap with with Jacko. And then I believe Real Madrid have some interest in him as well. So he'll find a buyer. Um, the question is, can they find one um, in the next two weeks? And I think it will be quite difficult. But again, going forward, it makes so. Another thing to, to mention: he's not he's he's been stripped of the captaincy. It's now Pellegrini, um, which this weekend proved that he's the right captain. Because even though Jacko's great, he's not always been the best leader. Even though he's had moments 
Um, so all things considered, Morial for the foreseeable future should be Roman's starting striker because you don't want to play someone who's unhappy to, to begin with. And then obviously there's toxic stuff going on. So it's just for that reason, you want to try to get him out as soon as possible. If it's really possible to, to, to do this before the end of the transfer window, but if not, Morial should still be starting up there because it's become a, uh, an uncomfortable situation for not just Roma, but for the entire situation right now. Yeah, I just, it's like, I feel bad on how all this stuff has transpired just because mm-hmm. we've seen how Jacko could perform, but just with how he's been performing lately and everything, it just, and how he handled certain situations, you're right. It is definitely time to cut part ways with him because, as you just said, you don't need that negative influence in the locker room which could afford affect team performances has we seen right i i hate to beat the beat around the bush but you know it reminds uh, reminds me of the whole icardi fiasco where of course majority of it was the that's okay i get what you're saying that's a big stretch though icardi that that was that had like that was like a three-headed snake. Well, yeah, that's what Jack- I was gonna say. It was more so his wife, but the, he kind of went, kind of somewhat went along with what she did and didn't really speak out against it. But even when any, no matter what, anytime any form of toxicity enters the locker room, you could tell it's gonna affect the team. And so, it is the best move to get rid of him. Although that I've heard from, I haven't seen any information for a transfer to Inter with Jekko. I haven't seen, and I think the last I saw from gold.com or something, that Juventus weren't interested anymore. So, yeah. There's there's slight interest and not big interest. Um, West Ham's the one that's come up recently. Roma basically offered him to him. Um, they're, West Ham are willing to do the deal. Um, PSG was talked about. Inter was talked about. Uh, it was on uh, – um, I don't know what the source was, but it was – I don't know if it was the greatest source, but it was still a source. Um, but it had to do with, with Erickson in some way. Um, so – but but there is interest. There, It's not like he doesn't have any suitors. He does have suitors. It's just a matter of Roma can get this done. Uh, Roma um, – are interested or are, are, are negotiate or trying to negotiate with uh, a, a, the Ukraine striker from Ghent. Um, I think his name is, is, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it, I forgot his name, but, but they're interested. So they're, they're all Rome are also trying to get this deal done as soon as possible. Um, and then obviously Rome have the two incoming transfers potentially coming up in the next couple of days. Um, but they're looking to ship him is i think the main point and my last one of my other questions is since i forgot when it when does the chance you wear a chance for window close and i can't even talk today oh boy i think i think it's uh february 1st yeah so you have until january 31st at midnight to close the deal um, so by next, by next, oh, that's coming up really quick. I think by next week, uh, next Sunday, it's over. It's done. So they have to work really quickly um, if they want to get this done. But again, I feel like if they don't get a deal done, it will be a Papu Gomez situation where he's just going to be sitting on the bench and not playing because I don't think you can play him on based on the, the, the relationship that he has with the coach right now. Yeah. Um, 
it just sucks to see how this whole thing has transpired, but I mean, Jekyll, you've been great to Roma, but now, but with how you've been, what has happened lately, it is definitely time to cut, cut ways and hope, hope right. for the best. Plus, uh, Moriel has statistically is having a better season to have playing half, half as many minutes. So with that, and I, I get he only played against, uh, I forgot who it was. He played against Cortona. He played against uh, Spezia. Uh, so he hasn't played against a really big team yet. But he's the top scorer in the Europa League, eight goals, five assists. I mean, he hasn't even had a chance against a big team. So you can't say that he's not he's not good enough to do it because he has scored a, a brace in two games this season. Jekyll has scored a brace in zero games this season. So I think Roma have enough with, at the striker position to get a deal done, especially because most of the creativity is coming through Pellegrini and Mkhitaryan and other places that they don't need a striker that's going to give them 20, goal, 20 goals a season. But with that being said, Moriel in the league has five league goals. Um, Jekyll has six, I think, I think he also has five. So I think they're they're basically the same stats, except Morial has more assists and he's uh, and he's played in less games. So I think, based on that situation, I think Roma can feel comfortable with with moving forward. And again, he's not he's not training, and he trained by himself right now, which means he's not going to be a part of the of the the plans for um for the Verona game on Sunday. So I don't know. It's it's a it's a big mess right now. But once you sort this part out. Uh, then you can sort of figure out what to do next. And obviously, Roma are going to try to get some deals done uh, for the time being, or at least until then. So with all the transfer stuff going on, you um, mm-hmm. you have two new signings. One should be done within the next few days. One is already kind of like almost finished. Um, you have a player who played for you guys on loan, I believe, El Ferrari. El Shirawi played for, but it wasn't on loan. We we he played for us for four years. He left last year to go to China. Uh, uh, barring uh, the deal is done, uh, it's going to be a two-year contract until 2022. I believe he's going to be making 3.5 million on a whatever deal, year deal it is, and um, it's it's basically done. All that needs to happen is he needs a, a negative COVID test before he he's allowed to sort of come and and join officially. Um, because you have to remember where he's coming from. He's coming from China, where uh, he's been in Italy the last couple of months. But still, they had to make sure that he gets a negative test. Um, once he gets a negative test, he'll be able to join officially. But that deal is completely done, basically. Yeah, and then this player, I don't even know where he came from. His name is Brian Reynolds. Yeah, so he's the American um, right back that had played for FC Dallas this year. Uh, initially, he was going to go to Juventus um, with and, and alone, basically. And then Benevento would have taken him on loan for this season. Then he would join Juventus last season. Um, that deal kind of fell apart. Um, Roma had – so FC Dallas wanted to negotiate with Roma, practically in Roma only, because the, the Freakins, the owners of Roma, have affiliation with Dallas, and they wanted to do their, uh, their friend Dan, uh, Dan Freakin a favor. Um, so they, it was a Juventus deal that looked like it was going to go through. It has since collapsed. Um, Benevento, I've already signed somebody else, so they're they're out of this as well. Juventus aren't going to match the offer. I believe it's about seven million. Um, 
But at, at this moment right now, um, it seems like it's going to be done. He also needs a negative COVID test before he could uh, officially join. So as, as, far, as far as I'm concerned, both of these deals are done. They just they haven't had the authority to announce them until they go through the medical you know, uh, the medicals for them to do this. So they need to get a negative COVID test. Then they go through and then et cetera, et cetera. I believe it doesn't matter if the transfer window closes in between because the deals in principle have already been done. The only thing that they need to do is, again, is the um, is the medicals. And once that's done, Roma will have some more depth with Al Sharabi. So Carlos Perez never has to see the field again. And then you have... Um, you have Brian Reynolds who can play right back. Who he might he can. I don't know how it will work because we play a back three, which is basically all center backs. But he can play on the he, he can play a wing back where Rick Carsdorp plays and things like that, uh, and so on and so forth. So he'll, we'll find a place for him. But but the the that deal is going to be around seven million. It's going to be a loan deal um, for the rest of the season, and then option um, mandatory buy for seven million um, starting next season. Um, but it's important that Roma get these deals done because most of the teams in Italy haven't even secured anything. And so if, if they can get both these across the line, even if the Jekyll thing isn't solved, it will give them, you know, that depth that they need. Because unlike unlike you guys, where you can bring on really good players off the bench that start for most teams, Roma don't have – they don't have the depth. We have an issue in that area where it's basically Carlos Perez, Brian Cristante, and others. Uh, in defense, we have depth that we can bring on with Kambula and, and others, but, but in, in the midfield and in attack, you guys can bring on Vidal. You can bring on Gagliardini. You can have Brozovic come on. You have, you have, a, you have cholera and you have actual young. There's, so you have a lot of options in those areas. And then you have Alexis Sanchez in the attack. So your team is filled with depth. Like being candid here, you have the, you're the deepest team in the whole league. And, Roma's starting 11, you could argue that is on paper very, very good, but we don't have the depth. So El Sharawi and Reynolds would provide depth, and it's always fun when you beat Juventus to a transfer. So um, when that comes through, I'll, I'll be very happy and be rubbing in everyone's face. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's, I'm excited to see what some your um, Ryan Reynolds can do for Roma because that's, that's a huge signing right there. And yeah, and he's only nineteen. And he's only nineteen, so he's going to give you many years of service if given the chance to. Um, mm -hmm. So overall, do, are you happy with having El Sharari and Brian Reynolds on Roma? Yeah, um, I'm. I'm happy with the Reynolds thing. I think longevity. That's going to be a good signing in the long run. Um, for this season, I think he'll if he play if he's able to 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 uh, you know close the deal. Um, rapidly, um, I think he'll play. He'll get some minutes, uh, but I, I, I don't think he he plays a key role this season. Um, it would just provide something else. Probably someone who's played for Rome before, um, forty goals, I, I believe he has in those in those years at Rome. He's been here for four years. He knows that he knows this 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 league, and he's again he's one of these uh, guys who uh, big young talents that never materialized. But when he he, he that was his best years of his career, other than the one AC Milan season where he had 22 goals. But like, if you just look at what he can bring off, off the bench, that Pedro and and Perez and um, those China or Pellegrini, 
needs a rest. He'd be a perfect person to, to play on. Brings athleticism, brings pace, and he's, he's played here before, so he 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 knows the drill. So I think that was that one's going to be really really like it's not the sexiest signing in the whole world. It's not like getting you know. Mozart or Sadio Mane or something like that, but but it gives it Rome exactly what they need and it gives them a little more depth. They they need more depth than what they have because we don't have the depth of options that you guys have. But it gives Roma a, a, a decent option off the bench can provide. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Up next, uh, Inter Milan versus Udinese zero zero draw. <sighs> um. So, um, what's uh, watching this game? What what are your thoughts on this? Because my thoughts were beyond just the performance. I was thinking, oh, great! Now AC Milan can jump, uh, can jump over AC, um, and you know that happens uh, because you went from sort of that whole momentum thing with you beat Juventus, the mighty event, you take them down, and then. And then you're now you're in the situation where you can jump and it, it just comes up short. Uh, so what what did you like? What did you not like? And what do you think the the core of the issue of not getting to the the job done? Um, and if you want to talk about some of the stuff that you and Eze did well as well, you can as well. But what are your thoughts on overall the whole situation? Well, first and foremost, good job to Udinese for your keeping things going for themselves defensively to secure at least a point from us. But I mean. We had, I mean, this was wide open. You had AC Milan who lost their match against Atalanta, which we'll get to after this one. But we had, it was, like I said, it was wide open. We could have went first place. And then it went like, oh. That's how I call it. It's like, oh. Because... It's like, this is, like I said, this is a perfect opportunity for them, but then they just choke. I don't know. I I call it maybe performance anxiety or something, where it's like, oh, we can get to the top of the table, but then they're kind of, like, nervous about it, and they just don't want to, like, they kind of want to remain in the shadows a little bit. But I don't know. I mean, they created only, like, ten chances the whole entire match, and only, like, a few of them were on target. So they really weren't doing much in the creativity department. Yeah, they kept things going defensively to prevent Udinese from scoring, which it could have easily done. I -hmm. mean, it was just a total shit show because especially since we beat Juventus the week before, a team that we've never beaten in quite some time, and then we go to mm-hmm. a team that's like in the middle of the table and we can't get the result. Like, there's something not adding up here. And I don't know what. Uh, uh, so real quick, on that point, early in that game, the Lotaro chance. And I, I'm, I'm still not convinced. I understand the case that he makes, um, but I also understand Lukaku's case as well. In that situation, do you think that's a moment where he should have passed or do you think the goal, it was just going to, it was just going to end that way because if you watch that part of the game, you see how angry Lukaku is when he, 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 he hit it at the, you know, at the goal instead of, and does does a situation like that define the final result of that game? Or do you think it's just that that's something that just happens? I think Martinez should have passed the ball just because, 
if you know you're not going to make that shot, you and you know somebody who could kind of make it happen a little bit better, it, it, you're better yeah. off going on and passing the ball to give somebody a better chance of scoring. Because, like, we've seen Martinez, and mostly in front of goal, he gets what I guess they call him the sitters, where he's, like, right there, and he kicks it. Yeah, he... He misses. He misses the easy ones and scores all the complicated ones. Right. It's. It seems. It seems a little backwards, but th- at least that's my viewpoint. Because all the crazy goals that he scores are amazing, and then he'll miss ones that he frankly shouldn't miss. Exactly. So I mean, it, it, where I've noticed even with Lukaku, yeah, he can make some crazy shots, but he's mostly good in front of those goal situations. <laughs> With the exception where he was the other team's best defender, but <laughs> yeah, but Ernest Lotaro, um, sorry, Lukaku doesn't usually doesn't score the the um, the amazing ones or the you know the the jaw droppers that Lotaro does. So I understand that he should have passed, and I agree with you. But I think you can also make the argument that. If he scores, that's a, that's a, that's a, that you know that's that's one that we're talking about for the next week. It was in good space. He had a look at it. Did he make the right decision on the play? No. But as far as Lutaro, I don't blame him for hate taking the shot though, because he it's proven on his record that he can he scores a lot of these you know what you would call jaw dropping goals. And Lukaku was a little bit behind him. He would have to make a, an immediate decision on that. And I, I felt like he committed to what he was going to do in that moment and then took it. So I, I understand that he should have passed. But, but I, th- I think you can argue that he's made goals like that before. So there's no reason to think. And I don't think he shot at the goal with the intention of getting a corner. I think he was trying to score. But, and again, but again, I understand Lukaku because he, he was in a better situation to score. And it w- would have been a mutually one-on-one. But I think from Lukaku's point of view – I mean, sir, or sorry, Lutaro's point of view – I understand why he took it, even if it may not have been the right decision. Right, but does that define the outcome of the match? I mean, if Lukaku was in a good space to, like, find the goal himself, I mean, it could have definitely changed the trajectory of the game um, just based on how things were set up. But, I like I said, there's cases for both of them. But... Yeah, because... Remember the uh, uh, what's his name for the 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 one that the the beautiful ball that DePaul hit into the box that he controlled and then hit on on the on the on the bounce or whatever that went like nowhere near the goal. If he controls that or hit lower, I think it's you can argue that he should have scored that one. So would you say based on the game that the results was fair based on the performance of both teams, or do you feel like? Inter just should have got this one over the line. Not in theory because of the best team, but based on performance, was it was it a justifiable point or or not? Because you can also say there was another one with uh, Hakimi who was inches away from scoring, and uh, Juan Musa made some crazy saves in this game. So, would you say that Inter should have won this game, or do you think based just based on performance, was it a fair result based on the way the two teams played? I, to be honest with you, think it was a fair result just because both teams were performing pretty much equally at that point. But 
Is this a match it just should have won, especially with the position you Udinese is in? Absolutely. Yeah. They could because knowing that this team could perform I mean, like I said, they only had ten or eleven chances the whole entire match where they're usually used to executing sometimes as many as like twenty five in a match like this. So they could have done more and performed a little bit better, but based on how close the chances in the possession were, I think it was definitely a fair result considering. If you were going to point to one interplayer that p- performed at a high level and then one interplayer that let you down, who 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 would you say? Oh, I do, let's see. Hang on, give me a second. I would say Akimi performed at a really high level because recently he has been showing a little. He's been one of the most consistent players that we've had. Um, has uh-huh. of like the past few weeks. Um, the player that kind of let us down, I would have to say, I mean, yeah, we just talked about this, but I would say Martinez. If you know, knew you couldn't control the ball at the speed you were going, you should have just passed it to Lukaku and just went with it. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think you're far off there. Um, I would say that, that Lukaku is equally responsible for not that game, but he didn't play well either. Um, and it's hard to win games when you're front two. When, when we're on form, are incredible. But when they're both off form, it's just hard to win games, and that's in the case. And Hakimi played a good game. He missed a chance he probably shouldn't have. Um, but I thought um, Skriniar uh, specifically I thought was really good as well. So um, um, it, it, it's, a good, it's sort of a, one of those situations where, you know, you got to figure something out. Um, so one more question on Inter, unless you have something else to add, because um, I just want to cap off with this. Um, how, now that you've done this, you're, you lost – AC Milan lost – or, sorry, you got a draw. AC Milan had their worst performance of the season. Um, you guys play, I believe, in the Copa Italia on uh, Thursday maybe, one Wednesday or Thursday in a couple of days regardless. How, how do you feel going into that game based on – because it's not just you that, that laid an egg. AC Milan laid an egg too. So how do you feel going into that game – uh, based on uh, what happened over the weekend. First of all, we play them in the co- the co- domestic cup tomorrow. Uh, okay, I knew it was this week. That's all. Yeah, I, knew. I just know the exact. Yeah, because I because since I knew it was coming up, I wanted to like look at what date it was. So I I found out it's tomorrow. Um, I mean, in regards to like who has the momentum at this point it's going to be hard to say because both teams could have won their respective matches and so i think it's going to be at this point momentum wise it's basically a clean slate and they're just going to have to go in there and fight and who whoever wants it more is going to get the result because right now both teams have no momentum going into it but if we're talking like if I had to pick a team who has kind of like the momentum, I would say AC Milan, especially since they have a solid squad to contend with as well. And they are more cohesive and they know how to attack Inter, especially since they got the result from us in the first installment of the Derby, Delamando Nina at the start of the season. Um, but at this point, 
if we're really going realistic, it's going to be difficult. All right. You're wrong. And I'll tell you why. Would you describe Inter's performance as humiliating against Udinese or just bad day at the office? Bad day at the office. AC Milan were humiliated against Alonso. I don't know if you saw the game. There was not even indi- any indication that AC Milan were going to come back. They were absolutely blown. They got their doors blown off. Um, and as much as Ibrahimovic is great, he looks like a straight-up clown for his, his little back-and-forth with Zabata, which we'll get to. But uh, Inter- AC Milan are in better form, but only by, like, an inch. So Inter, Inter just uh, Juventus when they they went through a United team that that were up to, up to scruff on that that game. So if you're going to give some momentum, it probably goes to Inter just because it's like when Roma got uh, knocked around again in the Lazio derby and then played badly the next game. You could see something similar to that where you played poor, didn't play poorly. You just you just didn't have what it took to win that game, and then the the game before that you were. You know, you beat Juventus. So I think you have a little bit more momentum. So one more thing else. Would you, would you line up full strength? And do you think this is the type of game that goes beyond the 90 minutes subscribed? I would definitely go full force in this matchup, especially with um, how close the title, the Scudetto race is. But if we Conte has any hope of keeping his job, we've already discussed this. He needs to win the both the Coppa Italia and the Scudetto in order to justify it. That's our criteria, though. That's not Inter's criteria. If he wins the league, he's not getting fired. So, uh, again, he wants to win everything. But do you, do you think that they should still play full screen based on – it's it's tough, though, because who do you play after that? You play – it's not AC Milan, is it? Um, are you talking about next weekend? Do you know off the top of your head? If not, that's I have my laptop, so it'll, it helps me. Um, we take on Benevento on Saturday. Okay, so I don't think there's any reason for you to rest key players because if you do that, you know, you can you could and you beat AC Milan or whatever. Then against Benevento, you could play Alexis Sanchez instead of Lukaku. If you need rest, if you need to give rest to some of your guys, uh, then you do it that way. Because I, I just don't think there's any reason not to play full strength. Because it's not, you're playing, it's not like you're playing a big team following that game. Um, and you want your team fresh. I would be surprised if AC, AC Milan would probably play, play close to full strength. But I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if they throw um, Mandzukic out there instead of Slothan or, or something like that, just in that respect. Um, and obviously, yeah. Um, so anyway, the last part of this question is: uh, Do you think do you think this is the type of game that goes beyond ninety minutes, or do you think uh, it will be a you know a, a regular battle? I think at this point it could be just a normal ninety minutes, and then including the stoppage time, especially with how we know these teams perform. But if both mm-hmm. but if both teams, however, are struggling. And there could be that likelihood that it does go into extra time. And uh, if you use the code penalty shootout at checkout, you get, uh, never mind. Um, wait. <laughs> 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 but 
But yeah, um, it would be awesome. If, this is one of those matches, even though it's my team, I would love to see a penalty shootout just because I love penalty shootouts, even though they give you a heart attack. But You've never been a part of a... Wait, have you? Have I you don't think I have, so I really want this. <laughs> All right. Uh, real quick, what's, what's your score prediction? Oh... Uh, I say Inter Milan win 2-1. Goals coming from Lukaku and Akimi, And then one goal coming from Zlatan from, for AC Milan. <laughs> All right. Ready for this? Okay. 0-0. Zero, zero. In 98th minute. Sorry. 89th minute. Lukaku scores. Put Inter in front. Stoppage time of, of regular time. Uh, I'm going to say Frank Kessie gets a goal off a corner, goes into extra time, both teams score again, and then goes into penalties. And I will say Inter win, I'm going to say 5-3 on penalties with Nicola Barella winning the, with the winning kick. Just for you. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. You actually are back in Inter. Oh, lordy, lordy, lordy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, just so you know, every time I watch you, the listen to the football apex, so yeah, you and James will be talking about Inter. Yeah, we know one special Inter fan who won't be happy we said this. <laughs> I'm like sitting there like, as, as usual, sitting here. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, you know we're dropping back. Not like we're... we're... It's not like Inter are 10 points clear. We're saying, oh, they're going to drop points to Benevento. It's, it's, it's based on I know, but it's like still, it's like, especially Jason, since we know one special Inter fan who won't be happy we're saying this. <laughs> I'm like, gee, yeah. I wonder who. But anyway, uh, we're going to just go through the rest of these um, just because I got uh, to quickly get a shower before I leave the house at four, so. Yeah, let's go. So up next, we have the dreaded performance of AC Milan versus Atalanta. Atalanta obviously winning three zero. Yeah, Atalanta ripped the you know they ripped them apart. They blew the like I said, they blew the doors off. Um, <laughs> I mean, this wasn't close at any point. AC Milan does have some chances, and my God, Golini made some outstanding saves down the stretch that could have maybe put AC Milan back in, uh, you know, into the fray. But uh, yeah, they ripped him apart. Zabata got his late goal to really kill it off, and you know, scoring um, Romero scores early. They they build on that all the way through, and this Alonso team that seems to always play against the big teams. They've collected more points out of the top teams than anybody, but they haven't performed well in the uh, in other games. Um, so with that being said, they just need to work on trying to beat teams like Benevento and Bologna and Sassuolo and, you know, teams, teams that aren't necessarily considered one of the big four or five teams in the league. Um, although I found it funny, the little back and forth between Zabata and Ibrahimovic, um, Zabata was saying, oh, that's not going to be your 15th penalty this season. And then Ibrahimovic said, uh, told them, uh, I've scored, I've scored more goals than you've played in played games a little back and forth uh zabata last last though because he, he beats um you know he beats uh donnarumma with that late goal um to sort of justify it um Zlatan's not wrong but it means a lot more when you're not when you're losing three nil versus when you're you know when you're winning but uh really good performance by alonso the papa gomez thing is just about solved with um 
with him uh, heading to Sevilla. Um, uh, I think it's already here we go, as uh, Fazio Romario says, uh, Fabrizio Romario, rather. Um, so um, good performance from Atlanta. AC Milan uh, give into a layup and uh, they miss it on a breakaway, unfortunately. But uh, but AC Milan uh, for the first time this season will rip apart. Yeah, great job, Atalanta, for uh, taking points away from AC Milan. Um, great job to Sapata, uh, as always. He shines in a lot of these matches with them. Um, he's just a phenomenal goal scorer. And um, if you guys haven't signed into a contract extension, I would have done that two y- days ago. But why? Well, I, I think he has. I think he has several years on his deal, though, because he. I think last season he he made his move permanent and was was you know was extended extended. That that's all I'm saying. But uh, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So hopefully. They can keep this momentum up, and AC Milan will see you tomorrow. Um, up next, we have Fiorentina winning 2-1 against uh, Crouton FC, as uh, our friend Kicking Cleats would say. Um, yeah, I mean, it sucks for them, for Crotone. Um, Fiorentina was a better team, rightfully so, and uh, I got to give major props to um, – um, to uh, Bonaventura to hitting that absolute thunder shot into the depth, and that was incredible. Vladovic scores again. Um, anybody that needs a strike, I would recommend going in for him. Um, this this Florida team team has so many young talents; they just can't get it together. Um, and I, I don't think that he'd, he'd have any hesitation in in departing uh, Fiorentina for a, a different location. Um, so he's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, Cortona, uh, you know, he, they lose, but. There are only two points. There are only two points from from safety, um, so they're still very much in, involved in this. Um, they could maybe survive. I would guess not, but um, based on everything that's sort of going around uh, with this, um, it gives them a fighting chance. But Fiorentina, for the most part, get the points. Uh, they're all the way up to twelfth right now, um, considering how they started. But um, yeah, you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Fiorentina is finally starting to wake up a little bit, and they're doing a phenomenal job. Um, hopefully, they can keep that momentum going. Cause, but they won't. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, leave the humor to me. That's my job in this podcast. <laughs> Stay in your lane. But anyway, you can make jokes if you want. I'm just kidding. Um. Yeah, we know this isn't gonna last, but but for now, enjoy it while it lasts, Fiorentina. Um, Cortone, uh, hopefully you are able to get some momentum at some point so you can survive. But who knows how this? But this, like I said, even the relegation battle is just like the top of the table this season. It's very close, mm-hmm. which it hasn't been in quite a few seasons, I don't think. But. It's just nice to finally see that there's teams that are actually fighting this season. Uh, yeah. Up next, we got Juventus winning 2-0 against Lunchmeat FC. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bologna actually played pretty well in this game. A little unfortunate. Um, didn't have a strong performance for any of their big stars. It was some of their 
um, less not 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 big stars, but less of the you know flashy type. Um, Arthur getting huge, huge deflection on a strike from outside the box, scoring. I believe that's his first goal in the league this season. It might even be his first goal for Juventus since joining from Barcelona. Um, so he scores, and then McKinney on the header. Um, my, uh, great, great performance. I think he is arguably their best player this season um, and uh, slides into my, my uh, team of the season for sure. Um, really good performance, not just scoring um, – uh, doing the things he always does, but all the gritty, the gritty play, uh, you know, controlling the ball, distributing, and and just being that tough player in midfield that that Juventus have been wanting for for a number of years. Um, uh, with with that, with, in, in regards to the celebration, I love Harry Potter as much as the next guy. That was some, that was one of the most cringiest things I've ever seen in my life. But but he's having fun. He's he's doing his thing. Um, so fair play to him. But he just looked ridiculous doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I heard about that celebration, and I'm like, okay, it may have been cringeworthy. It was total, it was total cringe, but I don't blame him for doing but, it. But, I mean, he is a Harry Potter fan, so that kind of gets respect from you and I, because we love Harry Potter. So, but yeah. that was... No, I, I'm glad he has an infinity for Harry Potter. It was just, it just was so cringy the way it looked. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but... It was definitely a good result for Juventus, especially coming off a loss against Inter, who beat them by the same score last week a week ago. Um, yep. So it was it was good that they got back on track with that. Um, up next, Hellas Verona winning three one against Napoli. I mean, oh boy, they've not been playing. They they weren't playing well lately, but. Don't look now. They're in sixth place. Or sorry, eighth place. Uh, they're still yeah, they're probably not making any European competitions. But it'd be so amazing if they did. Um again, how are they doing this again? I don't understand. They lost their three best players last season. They're still doing it. Uh as far as I'm concerned, um Ivan Juric is the is the coach of the season uh through you know the midway point of the year. Um he still has this team in the top eight, um, which would be an improvement from last year they finished ninth. Um Great performance. Barack scores. Uh, so does um, Zaccarini again. And then uh, an inter friend of yours who uh, uh, Di Marco scored a really good goal in that game too, uh, which is incredible because uh, Herving Lozano scored in, I think, eight seconds to start the game. And they still haven't managed to turn that around. Um, the reports are that Gattuso is on the verge of losing his job, which I think is totally unfair. Um but uh, you know Verona, well done. I mean that's that's an incredible performance, especially against a Napoli team that on paper is just uh, as good as anybody. Yeah, I mean Napoli, what happened? I mean normally this is a team that we've seen perform well against um, Verona in the past, but it was definitely a good win for Verona because of how they kind of started off the season struggling, and now they're finally getting everything back into form, which is nice to see from them. Up next, Salami wins 1-0 against Cagliari. Um, Cagliari, I would like to officially welcome you to the danger zone. Oh, boy. Uh, relegations. They're in the relegation zone now, and... You know what they did after this game? 
<laughs> they extended the contract of the coach that has them without a point in their last five. I don't understand. They're three, five, and 11. They've conceded 37 goals. I, I don't understand this at all, why they would do that. Really ridiculous. Um, it's, just, it's just comical to a certain point. Um, but uh, a good job for Gen- to Genoa. Uh, Kevin Strubon coming there. Had, looks like he has made an immediate impact. Um, picking out an assist in the opening 10 minutes of the game, and they, they hold on to the end. Both of these teams probably could have scored more goals, but um, well, look at them now. Uh, I, they've only had four wins this season, but they're four points in front of the relegation zone. They only have one loss in their last five, um, and they're level on points with Udinese, who's in 14th point, who, who's in 14th. Uh, so you have to, you know, ever since we declared them going down, they've been really playing playing well. This uh, since then, um, again, I think the Kevin Strootman signing is a massive deal, and uh, it certainly looks like it made a big difference today or, or the other day. And uh, another big point for another three points for for Genoa and. Kiagalar is in, in, in trouble. Yeah, definitely. It just sucks that Cagliari has dropped this far because we're a team that knows that this team can perform at a very high level. Um, I think they finished mid of the table last season. Uh, not mid, but they're like 10, 12, 13, that around mid, not mid table, but lower mid table um, where, uh, they they weren't in this position they, and they shouldn't have been. I think I think they finished twelfth, but uh, I could be wrong about that. Okay, what do you think Cagliari need to do to like get it back on track? Because at this point, it looks like this whole team is set for collapse. Uh, maybe get Neymar on loan. <laughs> uh, bring in Ronaldo, Messi, bring in Mbappe. Just I mean, I I don't understand what they can do at this point. They need to sign somebody. They've they they've signed some some pieces and I understand that they're trying their best. Um, again, I brought this up before. Bring in Diego Costa. Uh, yeah, Diego Costa. Uh, he's he's free. He's available. He's an asshole in the locker room. He'll get these guys in order, and he'll score enough goals. Would he do it? I'm not sure. But there are free agents out there that they wouldn't cost anything that are just sitting there ready to to play football. Um, so. I would try to get something, someone like that, Diego Costa, or or someone cheap to to do the job. Get um, Piontek on loan, who's who's at who has had sex in, ha, okay, who has had success in the league before. Um, sorry for that slip up. I'm um, like, what the hell? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it's something like that. But it's hard to say what what the thing is. But they're on on current form, the worst team in the league. So. And this team has too many good players to be relegated. So, jeez, uh, they just can't – I mean, it's all red. <laughs> Not a point. They need to figure this out quickly. Definitely. Um, by the way, you want to know what would be funny with if we were able to do it on the podcast? We would cut out all the parts that have, like, a blooper-style thing, and then we put bloopers at the end of this thing. <laughs> we, are, you know when we, they swear on, on TV, but it's blooped out? Yeah. It's just like a beep <laughs> – but I, I don't have the technical ability to do that, unfortunately. But that would be yeah, fun. yeah. Just have bloopers at the end, things that didn't quite make it on air. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, up next, your best friends Lazio win two one against Sassuolo. I mean, great performance. What can I say? Sassuolo went up one 0 early, 
They uh, they crawled back. Um, Milinkovic Savage had one of his good games. Uh, bullet had her top of the corner. I mean, you just look at Sassuolo's keeper trying to get to that ball. It just like it just you know it was just difficult. And then uh, right place, right time. Kira Mobley scoring that goal to the bottom corner um, with another another big points. Um, so they're they're getting up there. Um, I don't think they'll make the Champions League as I've repeatedly said, but. Um, this is a good performance, and uh, they're playing really well right now. But uh, you know, certainly, um, you know, this is this is a good good place for them to be in. They they need to continue to to, to ride this momentum and uh, try to try to do something special with it. Uh, if they, can, they they can get to Europe at all, that's what their mentality should be. And again, when they get blown out by Bayern Munich um, in a, in a few weeks. Um, They'll their European cha- Champions League thing will be over, and then they can uh, they can go out there and try to uh, try to focus on the league and try to you know do as much as they can to just uh, to, to stay alive. Yeah, I mean, success isn't the right word to to continue to to perform. Yeah, because Sassiolo is nowhere need near like any need to survive. But uh, we've we knew that this wasn't going to last for Sassiolo. Wow. We knew that eventually, like, remember that one time Inter was having a good string of luck and we knew a wake-up call was coming? No, that, that no, that's a horrible example. The example, the, the one example you should, you, you should bring up is Calgary from two years ago. Remember when they were in fourth place and they were riding high, they beat Napoli, everything was smooth sailing. Uh, they finished 12th. So it's just like it just like came up there. Inter is a great, great team, so you can say they hit a street, uh, a you know, slump. But a slump for Inter means they started in second and end up in fourth. A slump for Sassuolo, Calgary, teams like that is you start in fourth or second and you end up in thirteenth or twelfth. You know what I mean? Right. But it was like the only one first thing that popped in my head. But no, um, I got, I got you. But I wasn't slagging off your answer. I was just. Uh, providing a better one. Right. But, yeah, we knew the wake-up call for them was coming, and hopefully they do what it takes to be able to perform at the level we've seen them recently. But, unfortunately, who knows how that's going to go. Uh, and yeah. the last match we have before we jump into, like, some further transfer stuff, uh, Sampdoria yeah. winning 2-0 against Parmesan. Um. I, I know, I know. I, I'm supposed to leave the humor to you, but just, just, just bear with me. Uh, Parma. Um, the objective of the game <laughs> is to put the ball at the back of the net, not setting it to the the virtual crowd, not setting it into the stands. You're supposed to put the ball in the back of the net. <laughs> like I don't understand what the problem is. You are the worst attack in the whole league. You have, I think. Let's let's divide the numbers here, right? You have four. How many how many goals do they have? They have. 14 goals. The next highest scoring team or the next lowest scoring team is, is Genoa with 19. Crotone, who are in bottom of the table, have 22 goals. So, I mean, it's just – I don't – I mean, I understand the problem because they have defensive issues too, which is why they signed some players. Um, but if you just look at the whole proximity of the situation – they just got to find a way to put these goals in the back of the net. Even if they, even if they're not winning, they at least have to start scoring. Because if they, if they, they can't score, 
they're not going to survive. And uh, good good on them getting the defense and all that, but come on, dude. Put the ball in the back of that. Same story were great. I mean, they're I think they're in the top ten. They're, they're, they've been a sneaky team this season. Uh, top ten. They're, yeah, they're in 10th right now, and your buddy Keith Abalde scored. And, hey. uh, uh, and the um, Yoshina, Yoshida scored as well. Um, so, um, yeah, good good win. Um, they're playing really well right now. Claudio and Mary is doing some nice things over there. Um, but uh, the big takeaway is Parman needs to learn how to score goals, not just, you know, let – people score on you. So is this like, if they can't start scoring goals, they'll finish the bottom of the table. If, if things don't start to change. Yeah. It sucks to see Parma cause we like Parma, but this is ridiculous. Um, yeah, it's done. I, I, I'm not going to say they're going to be relegated because we saw what happened last time. We, we declared that, but I think if things don't drastically change immediately, um, it, that's just, that's exactly where it's going to be heading. Um, the, the goalkeeper has been great this season, but it's it's not being highlighted because they're not they're not helping them out at all. Yeah, hopefully they can figure it out because this is a team that we've kind of taken a liking to, and to see them like fall the way they have been is just gut wrenching. Yeah, could you imagine like not getting maximum points against a team like that? I'm, I I can I can live myself if it, if I my team couldn't score against. Them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Little shade there because I think you guys got a point against Parma. <laughs> Right, but <laughs> then again, it's like one of those scenarios where it's just if they don't fix it soon, they're screwed. Yeah, they, I think to be honest, I think they already are. Um, they need a fifteen goal score, and I don't think they even have a, a three goal score this season. So, yikes! Yeah. So, with those were all the matches that have happened this past weekend. So now we're going to just jump into some, like, you said you had some uh, transfer news to discuss? Um, I can just check check the latest um, stuff, um, and we can just uh, talk about it quickly. Um, just give me a second. I have I have transfers, um, a list. Um, I don't know how many of these are relevant, but uh, just give me a second here, and, and we'll see uh, what what's the latest stories on all these situations. Um. Uh. Okay. Um. Uh. You remember Asamoa? Yes, I do. He is joining Calgary on a free, um, become a free agent. What are your thoughts on oh. that? Do you think it's a good move, or what do you think the situation? So where is he going again, Cagliari? Correct. Um. I think that would definitely be a great signing for Cagliari, especially since. As you said, it was a free transfer, correct? Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, as they say, there's nothing better than getting somebody for free. Um, hopefully, they, he adds some of the much-needed depth that they kind of need on that squad at this moment. Um, hopefully, he can help get them turned around. But overall, definitely a very good idea for them to go after him, especially considering the price. All right. Yeah, I agree. I think it's experience. He had something. I don't know how much, but we'll see. Um, do you want to really quickly talk about the Hakimi situation for those people who aren't aware of what's going on? Um, of course. Um, as most of you guys know, we got Hakimi at the start of this season from Real Madrid. Um, 
there's um, some talk that Real Madrid want to bring him back to the club because there's, apparently there's some money issues and they're afraid that they're not going to get their full money for the transfer. Um, just because Inter right now is going through a transitional phase, Inter are possibly selling the club at this point. And there's just a whole slew of other issues. Like, we're apparently Inter's changing their logo and changing their name um, to just Internet FC. Well, not as. It's just going to be International Milano or something. And it's just a whole mess right now. And because of that, and not having the money fully there for the full on amount of the transfer that was set for Akimi, they're kind of, kind of wanting to get him back at Real Madrid just to avoid any like payment issues. All right. Um, yeah. I'm with you on that one. Um, that Federico Fazio going to Parma. Um, apparently, um, he's um, doing some medical tests before he can complete his move. Um, uh, it, it seems like a full transfer. Um, do you think that helps them at all, or what? What do you? I mean, I think they have other issues as well. But what, what do you think about that move? I mean, it's definitely a good move. I mean, but like you just said, said. There's, they still have so many issues to work on, but as they say, you got to take one, these things one step at a time and hope for the best. Yeah, uh, agreed. Um, do you remember Milik from Napoli? Yes. Uh, he's leaving uh, to join Marseille. Um, do you think that's a good move for him to to have an opportunity to score some goals in the French league after not playing any games this season? Yeah, definitely. If you're going to go be able to go to a team that you're actually going to be able to play at, why not go for it? It's better than sitting on the bench and letting your talent rot away. So definitely a good move on his part. All right, the the big one. Sevilla are very close to securing the signing of Papu Gomez from Atlanta. An agreement is expected to be reached um, very, very soon. Um, it's it's going to be six million plus some bonuses. Um, I think it's ridiculous for somebody who's worth so much, but uh, they didn't want to hold them ransom. Um, so, what do you think of the move? Because uh, I think personally, I think it's perfect for for what he can bring to the table. Because Sevilla, um, obviously, um, in the round of sixteen of the Champions League, that won the Europa League last year, um, and um, they're a team that's in second place in La Liga right now. Um, so what do you think of, of our friend Papu going to uh, Spain with Sevilla? Definitely a great move for them. He can bring so much to the table there. Um, he has speed and agility. He's creative. And he's good at reading the game beautifully. I mean, this – and for the price point, Definitely a good deal. Um, so, Papa Gomez, I w- we wish you the best of luck in Spain. And thank you for all you've done for Syria over the past few years. All right, real quick here. Um, Fiorentina have reached an agreement with Spark Moscow uh, striker and Alexander Koron on a permanent deal. Four million plus add-ons. You may not know a bunch about the player. I don't even know him. Uh, what, what do you th- yeah, I don't either. What were your thoughts on... Um, on, on uh, Fiorentina bringing in another striker. 
do you think it's the right move or should they have looked at some other needs? Well, I mean, right now, you uh, having another striker is definitely good for the depth. Um, but of course, you could, there are definitely other needs that they should have pretty much went after, like maybe another defender or another midfielder or something. Um, but it's definitely a great piece for depth, especially if one of their main strikers gets injured. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, Calgary signed Alfred Duncan, former Sassuolo, former Fiorentina on loan, a wingback slash central midfielder. Um, this, I think, is a sneaky um, sneaky good because I think this is exactly the type of player that they need um, for them to, to sort of like go forward this season. Um, do you think this is a move that helps them at least try to get themselves out of the trouble? Yeah, I think so. But like I said, I really don't know much about some of these players that you're mentioning. So, but I'm just you, yeah. But I, 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 maybe it's just you don't see their face, but you've definitely seen him play because he's played for Swallow and Fiorentina the last couple of years. Um, so um, I talked about this before. Kevin Strubon, who you definitely know, uh, has uh, joined um, Genoa. Uh, what do you think? Uh, just from his experience will do to uh, to Genoa trying to keep themselves in the league. Do you think this is a good move or uh, what are your thoughts? Definitely a great move. With um, Strubman is a, one of those players that when he performs at a high level, it's just amazing to see what he does. Um, so with the team such as Genoa, who we've known has struggled, it is definitely a great player to bring on just because of the experience that he's had. Agreed. Um, and then let's oh, see. Chris, I, um, I have transferred with that for just remember off the top of my head. Um, Christian Erickson is currently being linked to a loan deal with Leicester city. So I think the move is definitely good, especially since he will get playing time there. Where right now he's just sitting on the bench, not being utilized to his fullest ability. So, what are your thoughts? Uh, that would be great. Um, him and James Madison together. That I think, I think he can recapture his form. Um, I think he's done at Inter Milan. There's no sense in them um, doing the thing. But, uh, but no, that would be that would be an outstanding deal for Ferris. And um, yeah, so. Do you have any other ones? Because I'm out. <laughs> yeah, that was the only other one I had. I forgot I had read it this morning. So, do you have any? All right. Uh, yeah. Don't forget to tune in on Tuesday for um, our new, my new uh, Bundesliga podcast. Um, be sometime uh, Tuesday. Um, it'll be me, James. Maybe Ryan will will host or something. Um, but it's just going to be kind of like this. But we're going to be talking about German football. Um, and it is called, I forgot what my own podcast is called already. <laughs> uh, the Deutschland football hour. Okay. There you go. Do the, the, the Deutschland football hour. Uh, for those who don't understand that, that means Germany. D Deutschland means Germany and, and I'm sorry. 
uh, in, in German. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's just going to be an hour ish show where we just talk about the biggest, uh, the biggest news is the, the biggest news in the Bundesliga when it comes to Bayern Munich's dominance, uh, Dortmund laying an egg this week um, and some other stuff um, just, just around the big leagues and seeing uh, what we think about it and so on and so forth. Yeah, 